we have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you. The ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today. Sponsoring this episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood today is me and myself. So I, aside from doing this podcast, I also have a business called My Bump to Baby and My Bump to Baby is one of the UK's leading parenting platforms. I launched My Bump to Baby as a blog back in 2016 and I did this on a shoestring budget. I was on maternity leave and I didn't want to go back to work full time. That's the long and short of it. I learned everything there was to know about blogging and now thousands of parents visit my website every single day and I earn an incredible income through my blog as a result. The great thing about blogging is that you can work in your own time and at your own pace and the sky is literally your limit when it comes to growing your income through blogging. The great thing about blogging is I now can enjoy my life doing whatever I want during the day and parents are automatically finding my blog through search engines generating me an income whilst I am busy enjoying life. If you love the idea of launching your own passive income blog, you can access my course in the link below. This is where I share all of my secrets on the blogging formula to success. If you would like access to all of my training, all of my email templates, all of my checklists, my media kits and so much more, you can click the link below and if you're ready to start blogging today, you can use the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, all in capital letters for a massive 15% off my course today. I hope to see you over there. Hello everybody and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood episode 2 and today I am talking to my friend Katie Mason and we are going to be talking all about our own experiences of having a vaginal birth versus a 
c-section birth and we want to share our stories around both now this episode is filled with a lot of laughs but also i do touch a little bit on missed miscarriages because i personally experienced one and my vaginal birth was actually giving birth um to those babies that had actually passed away so i just want to mention that in this intro because it might mean that you might want to skip this episode but if not Come along, have a laugh, and let's enjoy this episode together. We would love your comments. Please feel free to share anything with us. Send me in any of your stories, and I will share them on my podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 50 Shades of Motherhood. Today, I am with my good friend, Katie Mason, again, and we're going to be talking all about c-sections and vaginal births because we've both experienced both haven't we and uh, yeah so so with your first katie um your son you had a vaginal birth didn't you and it was it was quite an experience sorry i'm still here i'm just shutting the door because he's in his bedroom oh (laughs) gaming oh yeah it'll be like what i came out (laughs) with mummy's vagina George, George is like, because he knows I had a C-section, he's like, yeah, they'll just cut open her tummy. I told him the other day, I said, some women have babies out of their, well, I didn't say vagina, the fairy. And he said, what? He looked traumatised, but, you know, I didn't know. Breaking was, news. Yeah, yeah, but anyhow, so so yours, I mean, did you expect it to be a normal kind of, proceed, like, procedure, I say, a normal thing? Were you scared about it? First time around, um, when I had a vaginal birth, I was like, so then I was like, I'd read books. I was like, I'm fit, I'm strong, I've eaten organic food. Completely talked myself into the fact that I was like this really, you know, healthy being and therefore it made so much difference and it would be dead easy for me. Um, but obviously getting a baby out of your vagina is completely different to doing like a workout in the gym or something like that. It was very, very challenging and um, a lot harder than I expected. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I always say to people, it tra- it did traumatise me. But I, at the same time, as a woman, you're always aware that anybody that you speak to about giving birth may have to go through that again themselves in the future or for the first time. So you kind of don't want to say, oh, my God, it's mm. it's hideous. You, you kind of because everybody does genuinely have a different experience don't they I've heard loads of people say it was a doddle for them they pushed the baby out in two hours but for me it was really tough yeah yeah I can imagine I mean actually it takes me back to when I was pregnant with George but didn't know and I was at your house wasn't I and I didn't yeah. know I was pregnant and I actually was talking to Katie about her vaginal birth story I don't know how we got on this subject because I wasn't trying for a baby you know I was due to get married and we were just talking about it and the funny thing was when you actually got to the point you know about the story I fainted and I've never fainted in my life no. and I fainted do you remember yeah, I was Matt, like trying to resuscitate you on the floor I, I was like wafting like air over your face going come on come on I know it was so weird it was so weird and me being like because I've got really bad health anxiety well that was it then for me I was like there's something seriously wrong with me I've got hours to live so off I went to the hospital anyway then I found out I was pregnant but it was weird that we were talking about a bit when it happened I actually texted you didn't I when you're on your way and I was like there's no way you could be pregnant is there and you were like um 
I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. One. Oh, weren't you? Well, yeah. Fainting is a symptom, isn't it, of early pregnancy? Some some women do faint in early yeah. pregnancy. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'd had a cigarette as well because I was a bit of a kind of smoker, social, social smoker. And I'd had a yeah. cigarette and I think it must have just gone straight to my head and boom, I was out. I was out for the count. You were, I felt like I would had a really good yeah. night's sleep as well. You know, when you do faint, I don't know if you've ever experienced it. But when I woke, I felt like I was so relaxed in that moment. <laughs> anyway, you just but, needed to get the faint out of your system and then you were totally chilled and revitalized. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Till they told me I was pregnant, I had to tell my mum and dad. And honestly, sex is just, I don't mind talking it with my mum. Obviously, she doesn't share, she's still with my dad. So like, she doesn't share anything like that. But I don't mind saying like, oh, this happened. Well, no, not too much of what happened. But with my dad, it was a very, you know, I didn't know how to tell my dad because it was what, just. Do you think he still thought you were a virgin? Yeah. And I still pretend <laughs> I am now. It's like, yeah, I must have rolled in it, Dad. I must have rolled in it. Definitely yeah, it didn't do it. I did not orgasm, I swear. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just been one of those things. But I remember having to tell my mum and I was like, don't tell Dad. And then I thought, well, of course he's going to know when my stomach grows and a baby comes out that I've done I've done it. But yeah, we've never, no, obviously, we discussed it. But for you, though, you were, you'd you were about to get married. You'd planned your wedding, hadn't you? Yeah. Every, all the dates were in the diary. You know, your hen do was planned. Amsterdam. And, yeah, we were going to Amsterdam for, a, you know, lodging it in Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you were pregnant. So, we, you know, it was, it's, I mean, to be honest, how, you did so well in Amsterdam. You got on with it with the rest of us and we were yeah. all drinking and, it was um, a good laugh. Oh, I had a great time. Do you know what? It was really good, actually, watching how pissed everyone gets and actually how funny it is. Like, when you're sober and you actually see people when they're drunk, because normally you're so drunk yourself that you don't yeah. know what else uh, everyone else is doing. But when you're sober, it's actually really funny yeah. uh, to watch. Yeah. But, but Katie, tell us a little bit about your vaginal birth story, because that yeah. was – I fainted for a reason, because it was yeah. a bit – Traumatic. Oh God, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I had a long labour. I was in labour for, I think it was 24 or 27, 27 hours, I want to say. Um, and actually, for me, that was from when I had my first contraction until I delivered my baby. Um, but when I recently had a C-section and the doctor put the GP, uh, consultant, should I say, pulled up my nose, she was like, well, why have you opted for a C-section, which reasons I'll go into later. But she said, your, your vaginal birth was fine. And I thought, I nearly fell off my chair. I thought, fine, 27 hours of labour. And she went, no, 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 we don't count. We only count from when you're X amount of centimetres dilated. So in her notes, it looked like I'd been in labour for about six hours and given birth. But actually, it started the day before. And I dilated really, really slowly. And just because you've dilated slowly doesn't mean the contractions to get there have been easy. They were painful. I didn't sleep at all. Didn't even attempt to sleep that night. I was pacing around. I was on a birthing ball. I had candles. Like I say, I went in with this mindset. I'm totally zen. I'm going to do some sort of hypnobirthing on myself and breathe through it. But I did start off that way. But after a full night of no sleep, no food, uh, a painful contraction every so many minutes or however it was at first until they got shorter um yeah by the morning I was knackered I was absolutely knackered and it got to I remember we'd gone to the hospital in the evening and they'd said just go home 
you know, deal with the contractions until they're at the point you can't deal with them anymore. So my partner at the time said, shall I just go to bed and get some rest? So I said, yeah, you go to bed and get some rest. And I can't believe he had a full night's sleep in the like eight hours sleep in the time I just walked in circles around my, my front room um, because the time went so fast. But then at the same time, I was looking at my, my, my phone and thinking, shall I wake him up yet? Shall I wake him up yet? And I remember seeing it and thinking the time wise, let's just get to 7 a.m., get to 7 a.m. and then I'll wake him up. And I was in that much pain. I got to 7 a.m. I was like, we've got to go. Take me to the hospital quickly. Did it so, feel like you were, I mean, did it feel like you were opening, if you like, or does it just kind of? No, to be fair mm. to me, in that moment, all I could focus on, and this is probably why, I don't know whether it made a difference, but was the pain in my tummy, the contraction pain, which was, you know, it took my breath away. Mm. So we got to hospital. I remember this car drive and me going, just slow down over the bumps, be careful, oh, you know, yeah. going down these bumpy roads. And um, we walked in and I gripped onto the desk and like, you know, you know, like sunk to the floor. And I remember this nurse like almost going, don't be so dramatic to me. And I was like, no, I've, I've, I've been up all night. I'm in so much pain. Um, and they actually were almost saying, you know, just just go away and come back a bit later on. And I said, no, you've got to look at me. You've got to examine me. I'm, I'm, I'm in agony. And I've, I'm sure going back to when they looked I was only two centimeters dilated I was so deflated I was like I've just grafted all night on these contractions trying to breathe through them lighting my candles two centimeters but then um they let me stay in and um as my labor progressed it became evident that I was having really strong painful contractions and I was dilating so so slowly um so it'd be like oh an hour and a half no you've not dilated anymore oh my god then another hour later oh you've dilated one more centimeter it was it just really dragged on but also back then um I think you're so susceptible to what your midwife during pregnancy tells you and that you've got to remember is the opinion of one person and my midwife had said to me right we've got to do this birthing plan and uh, these are the pain relief options that are available to you. But just remember, any pain relief you have will get transferred to the baby. So the baby could come out lethargic, you know, and I was imagining my baby coming out needing to be shaken and, res you know, resuscitated. Oh, goodness. Had. It was quite naive of me. I should have got more opinions. But this was 13 years ago. We didn't really Google search everything as much as we do now. I actually was reading books on it and stuff. Um, so I flatly refused any pain relief. I said, no, 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 I'm not having any pain relief because it's going to affect my baby. By this time, I wasn't listening really much to what anyone in the room was saying because I was like, I've got my birth plan, no pain relief. I've come this far, I've worked hard all night. <laughs> yeah. Birth naturally. The one thing I did have was gas and air, which was a good job because every contraction, the gas and air went straight to my mouth. And I think I went through two full canisters um, I remember them wheeling one out and being like, oh, you finished that one. And they're like one and a half meters off the floor. You have to just keep going with that stuff, though, don't you? Because it's like it takes a while. It feels like it takes a while to get into your system. And honestly, yeah. it was when I when I used it, it took a little bit while to get going. But once it was going, it was it was OK, really. It was quite effective in the moment for the contraction. But I remember thinking, 
well, it doesn't do much. And, you know, like yeah. really going for it. And then I think my partner tried a bit when no one was in the room. He was like, oh, God, that's strong. And I was like, is it? I, like, I can hardly tell I've had anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where the lack of pain relief got mixed up in my head in this process was they wanted to give me a drip to increase the speed of the dilation. And I said, no, 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 no. I've said no pain relief, no chemical intervention, basically. Um, So I got to nine centimetres dilated and that just did not change. And I think I was labouring for like another two hours and they were like, right, we've got to get this baby out or she's going for a C-section and you need this drip. So eventually I listened and they gave me the drip. And then the, the sensation of this, I can't remember what it's called, the stuff that they put in the drip to increase your dilation, but it was woof within seconds. Like there was like a dragging sensation down my body. I was gripping the bed and it was, you know, no no turning back from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get my son out in the end, it was episiotomy and forceps. So there was a lot of damage done to my body in that time and a, a lot of trauma from going through this process and being so totally exhausted by the time I did eventually deliver my son um and then obviously to end up with an episiotomy which if anyone doesn't know that's where they cut you from front to back to get the baby's head out I'm clenching my bum cheeks together as we speak the thought of that just like so am I it's 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 just a crazy scenario that we take labor and giving birth for granted when actually who in the life goes through you know 27 hours of pain resulting in someone cutting you open and stitches it is extreme in any way shape or form that you look at it getting a baby out of your body is an extreme thing isn't it to go through no matter what way you do it um but in the end as my son was coming through his head was crowning and I was pushing with all my might giving it everything I've got To the point I was like fainting, passing out. And as soon as the contraction ended, he just sucked back in again. And they were like, no, he's gone back in. And I was like, what? So in the end, the episiotomy and forceps was the only option. Did they tell you what they were going to do? I think they did. But, you know, you're at that point where... You're just like, whatever, because I'm probably going to die. That's how you yeah, do it. Yeah. You're like, Gosh. I'm probably going to die, so do what do what you need to do. I give up now. But obviously, yeah. you don't die. You get through it. Your body is made to do that, but it is extremely challenging. And that is why 13 years later, when I came to have my second son, I had lots more to consider because I had that knowledge of how me personally, how my body handled it first time round. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said earlier, some people have a two hour labor, they sit in the bath at home, they go nip to the Vic and they say it wasn't that bad. And that I do genuinely believe that that happens to some people. But for me, by the time I came to have my second son, I knew that wasn't the case and I wasn't willing to roll the roulette or, or roll the dice, should I say, and just see what kind of natural labor 
I got served up I wanted to take control of it second time round which I did so yeah that makes sense see I've always been scared of birth it's terrified me I think I must have watched a film when I was younger that I really shouldn't have watched and since then I mean I used to have sleepless nights when I was about seven thinking about how am I gonna have kids didn't know about c-sections I mean this is where the probably all this anxiety and worry has been all through my life but then with George when I went to my 20 week scan you know I was worrying about giving birth and they said you've got a low-lying placenta if it carries on being low-lying you'll have to have a c-section I thought yes Yes. (laughs) I just couldn't honestly the thought of a baby coming out of my I just I don't know whether it's it's there's something called tocophobia and on my other podcast the my book to baby expert podcast I've got a lovely lady called Sharon Mustard who talks about that and how you can calm your nerves a little bit. But I genuinely think I must have had that. But I'm scared of a lot of things, aren't I, Katie? Because I'm always frightened of everything. I'm just a wuss. So <laughs> anyway, so when they said that, I was like, oh, okay. And the C-section um, for me, because mine was a bit of a different order, um, just a, a trigger warning here. Obviously, with my, some of you might already know, but I had a miscarriage with twins and I'd just gone over the... Um, time when you could actually have a dnc so i had to give birth to them so it was treated as a normal birth so i'd I'd had i'd had george already via c-section um and that was an emergency because i had something called placenta previa which is where your placenta is low lying and what can happen is slowly it starts kind of coming away and I kept having bleeds before my wedding didn't I Um, Mm. and I was in and out of hospital and they were like look these bleeds could mean that he's going to come at any time you know so you need to be close to a hospital and to be honest I'd been in and out that many times weirdly for me I wasn't really that worried about it but one night when I was luckily I was at a hospital I woke up and I felt like a bit of blood had come out but I'd not I'd not slept the night before um because I'd been waiting for a bed at the hospital so I was absolutely exhausted and I thought oh I'm just going to carry on going to sleep and I thought no I better check um if there was blood I was a bit used to blood coming out anyway as soon as I turned the light and I stepped away from my bed I just saw red like and I turned around and my uh, uh, my bed was covered in red oh, so I was like what the hell anyway and then I started walking towards the reception and there was blood just pouring out like it was like a flood just pouring out of my fairy um anyway I thought I didn't want to wake people up because you know how annoying it is when you're so tired so I didn't want to press the bell and I started walking I thought this is this is like literally I didn't know how much blood I had left in my body after seeing like what what had happened anyway the lady came in and she put a spectrum in and she was like oh gosh yes we need to get you down to theatre straight away this was about 2 30 in the morning and when she pulled the spectrum out oh my god it just went even more blood I was like what the hell anyway I started kind of not being with it then um anyway Danny managed to get there in time they used my phone in the lift there was a lovely girl actually that was really really um supportive during that time you know one of the midwives that comes into the surgery room with you anyway so that was all an emergency and then when he was born um he was born not breathing so and then he was he was 33 weeks at the time as well so he was very early to be born so I didn't know really what would happen anyway he got whisked straight away to neonatal and that bonding time um between me and him really it wasn't there because he was just gone straight away at the time um 
even though Blackpool Hospital were really, really good, between the neonatal and the parent on the ward, I was put on a ward with loads of mums that had just had the baby and they're all curdling away. And is that the word, oh. curdling? No, cooing, I think you mean. Curdling is something completely different. Right, well, <laughs> they weren't doing that then. They were Curdling cooing. with the blood would have made more sense, <laughs> not with right. the baby. <laughs> anyway, so I was put on this ward and I was honestly off my head really with this morphine, but I wanted it to be off my head with it because I just felt so traumatised from the yeah. whole experience. Probably what you were like, it's traumatising. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I kept looking around thinking, where is he? And I didn't know if he was alive, you see, because there was no communication um really so I was thinking what the hell like where is he this baby's crying and I'm thinking is it mine and then I think no he's gone you know like and that was in the hours afterwards um and then I was in shock I know I was in shock because my body does this really weird thing and it did it with Olivia actually afterwards so it must be just but you know when you're like asleep after you've just had a baby my body would not let me sleep it was going like this my arms my legs it was like it was almost like scared to go to sleep I don't know if anyone else does that but it was all the adrenaline and yeah um, you know it was Some awful. of the drugs that we give you during the process and things like that as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. So so that was frightening. Actually, it was the most frightening time ever. And it actually affected me for years after as well, like because I got postnatal depression after that. Um, and then also the bond with George, it was a bit harder to get because when I first met him, in the neonatal couldn't see his face or anything. And when I first went down, someone else was changing his nappy. And I think in my mind, I thought, oh, well, he doesn't need me. He actually could survive without me. And I think from that moment, it sounds really silly, but that's how yeah. I felt at the time. I just thought he didn't need me. And there was a distance there um, yeah. where the second time around, obviously with Olivia, um, I got her straight away and it, it was it was a nicer experience. But yeah. in between it's... then, the, with the twins, um, actually having to give birth to dead babies was was really a weird kind of because when you're going through a birth or you go into the hospital and you're taking all your stuff and you're having a baby yes you're frightened but you've got something at the end of it to look forward to haven't you yeah. whereas isn't there as well yeah like where a bit of hope you've got your first outfit and you know all that jazz all that exciting mm. stuff but this time it was like right you need to come back tomorrow in fact, it wasn't tomorrow because they couldn't fit me in. So two days later. So I had to kind of carry on with life with two babies inside me, go to yeah. the shops and things. And people I was showing then. So people, oh, when you're due? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, yeah. I just told them the due date and, and just yeah. kind of I didn't really want to kind of go into it. But um, and I carried on working because work is a bit of my my sanity place. It's my yeah. you know my my place where I can just switch off and be so I remember going back to women um you know who were looking for pregnancy services and things like that and I was sat there and I was thinking god you know I've got to give birth to to these anyway and then anyway so when through those days oh. isn't it because it's you... very real but very surreal at the same time well, you had the same you had yeah. the same although yours was a, a little bit earlier so look luckily you yeah. kind of didn't have to nobody I mean, Awesome. Nobody knew I was pregnant when it happened. I hadn't announced it yet. Um, but obviously, I, was, I, I, I did have a missed miscarriage and I had to wait from Thursday to Monday mm. to go in for a DNC. So I kind of get where you're coming from with that. You know that your baby's gone, but it's still inside you oh. and there's no physical um, sign of not being pregnant anymore. There was no loss of blood. There was no, it was only because I'd been told on a scan that I knew that there was no hope, you know, but. Uh, again you've just got to 
You still don't believe it fully though while they're there, do you? You're like, "Mm." well, I was Googling everything. And then there was, I mean, I wasn't being crazy because I knew that what I've been told, but I was Googling things and there was like people writing statistics like, oh, one in X many thousand diagnosed miscarriages are wrong. You know, make sure you get it checked again. And I remember getting to the hospital for the DNC and saying, are you going to check again just before you do the DNC? And they were like, no, no. You know, and everyone looked at me as though I was insane for asking the question. Like, you know, like I was I was somehow convincing myself that it wasn't happening. But it was only because I'd seen it on Google. Well, I had to ask. Yeah, and that's it. And you do Google the hell out of everything. So when they pulled me into this side room, they were like, yeah, so you come back and you'll give birth to them. And I thought, give birth? I said, can I not just have like an operation? No, no, you're a week past that. And I thought, oh, my God, that wasn't how, you know, I was that terrified of giving birth anyway. But what they did there um, is that obviously because they were already passed away, I was allowed morphine. Uh, which right. helped and right. also um, the gas and air and then we were yeah. putting like kind of this it's called the forget-me-not suite in Blackpool Victoria um, yeah. and it's all a really nice little room and everything and um, but the birth side of things it was it was frightening but I, I'm me and Danny are really kind of we don't talk about farting trumps and we don't talk about poo which you know about yeah we don't talk about that so yeah. anyway when I was I knew like they were going to come because my waters just burst at one point it took about seven hours uh to labor and then um when they were going to come I was like I didn't know if I needed to trump so I was like hey, Danny can you go out the room the nurse was like why do you want him to go out the room I was like I might trump they were like seriously are you really that bothered I was like I am anyway so in the end <laughs> that was you can't take it back that, that was yeah exactly that's it so anyway so that was my experience which wasn't really probably a a true experience because I was allowed all of these kind of extra yeah. kind of things but but even with those I did find it difficult I did think to myself oh my goodness you know I don't know how people go through this every day it is hard isn't it yeah it's really hard and any way that you bring your child into the world it's a miracle isn't it and you're so happy and relieved at the end when you do get that healthy baby um but I do think like we, we are in a different world now you are able to look at facts and look at things that are going on in your life and what you can cope with mentally and physically and like kind of make more of an informed choice which I think is a is a blessing because you know years and years ago labor was considered such a high risk event wasn't it people mm-hmm. did lose their lives on a regular basis so now we can make informed decisions and um second time round I opted for a C-section in the end uh clay was breached so I probably would have ended up with a C-section anyway uh, they, they would have tried to turn him but because I'd opted for a C-section yeah. he didn't bother um but I had my reasons for that so one of which was um following my vaginal birth not straight after several years after I actually got prolapse um what so is my- that if you can well basically there's different forms of prolapse it can be um your your front or your back vaginal walls where they basically collapse in and start to come down or it can be um your pelvic floor that can prolapse or your bladder can prolapse or even your bottom can prolapse so we're we're kind of this is why they encourage us to do pelvic floor exercises because the pelvic floor is like a hammock holding up all our internal organs and everything else and it's just a muscle 
And when you've been through carrying a baby, obviously like an elastic band, this muscle can get stretched and be a, a bit slacker afterwards. And same for your, your, your front and back vaginal walls. Um, Personally, I think I'm genetically predispositioned to it because my mum's had surgery and hysterectomies and things like that through um, having three pregnancies when she was younger. So I do think when I spoke to a specialist, they said you can just have that type of tissue that's a little bit more susceptible to prolapsing. But um, just veering off onto that tangent of prolapse, because I've had a lot of ladies, um, when I have ever mentioned it, say, oh, my God, I've been told I need surgery. You know, I thought it was really rare. I didn't know there was, you know, what to do. And and people don't realise it's quite common. Um, but especially if you've had a vaginal birth and you've pushed your baby out, there's extra trauma there because obviously everything's been stretched and, and you know, pulled about during the labour. So 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 with prolapse you can either have surgery to correct it or depending on the severity of it you can try and strengthen your pelvic floor and things over time but if it's gone to a certain point it's surgery or or nothing you know so I have had surgery for a front and back um vaginal wall prolapse which worked straight away um I didn't even realized I was prolapsed it was a surgeon who was um it was a gynecologist who was doing a coil believe it or not after <laughs> coil story um it was a gynecologist who noticed that I was prolapsing and when he said I was it made sense because I'd had like sensations of feeling heavy and feeling swollen and things like that down below which I didn't realize weren't normal, but it's not normal to feel heavy or swollen down below. That is a symptom of obviously your tissues coming down and putting pressure on. So um, because I'd had that surgery and it is quite an intense recovery, it's a six week recovery. I had the decision, do I give it, have a vaginal birth and potentially have that surgery again, which is a six week recovery, or do I just have a C-section, save myself the trauma and have the six weeks recovering from a c-section so I opted for the latter because um my reasons were obviously to preserve my prolapse surgery um because I'd had a traumatic birth and in the percentage of chance that a traumatic labor can cause autism in children because my eldest son has autism so I was very very in tent on making sure my baby entered the world with the least trauma possible because mm. I didn't want the because we forget when we're talking about our birth that the baby is involved in that birth as well and if they're stuck if they're starved of oxygen if there's so many risk factors so because I knew I struggled to give birth the first time I wasn't going to put the baby at risk by trying to push him out just to say I'd done it myself um so yeah that was my reasons for having a c-section but as you know, you can have even just your reason can just be I'm scared. Yeah. I don't think I can cope with it. It's too scary for me. It, there's there's loads of reasons, and you, you do have the choice now, don't you? Yeah, and I think it's important to to share that that you do have the choice because you can feel a bit scared to ask, or if it's a first time pregnancy, you're a bit inferior, aren't you? You don't really know kind of what you can do, what you can't. Whereas the yeah. second time, you're a bit more firm, and you're like, right, this is what I want. And yeah. I, I opted for a C-section obviously because it had given birth is terrifying for me so so I did that and I enjoyed it you know the second time it was so 
such a nice experience as weird as that sounds but it was just so calm and we had a playlist on and we got some great pictures as well and it was just lovely really I'll do it again minus the after bit today yeah well you knew what to expect and that removes fear doesn't it because you've done it before um you knew what to expect I tried to prepare myself as much as I could. Obviously, I'd never had a C-section. I am quite scared of operations, you know, being out of control, somebody else being in control of my life. Um, that does that does freak me out. Um, and I remember um, I signed up to, what's it called? Nessa, I think. They did like a, a preparing you for a C-section thing. And there was videos from surgeons talking you through the procedure, what was going to happen, there was discussion about like what would happen afterwards, how to care for your wound. And I found just that little bit of preparedness, you know, just knowing what to expect because I've just even just seen a half an hour video on it. That helped me because I went in frightened of the surgery, but kind of knowing what was going to happen. And probably feeling a bit more in control when you know what to expect as yeah. well because last time with Olivia they rang like a couple of weeks before which I never got with George because they didn't get that far and they were like right this is what's going to happen on the day and I was like wow that was so useful because a lot of the things that I thought with George that were like you know emergency things because I was going to die like signing a paper and all of that well they're things that you normally do I didn't actually yeah. know that I was like oh my god I'm yeah. sending my life away, but actually yeah. you do have to do it anyway for a C-section, don't you? Because it was when they were reading the statistics, like one in so many people. I mean, I'm literally talking like hardly anybody will die. And they're probably from other countries, unfortunately, as well, you know, where, you know, perhaps the medical care isn't quite as good as we've got it here in the UK. Um, but when I read that, I was like, Danny, oh my God, this could be my last coffee. This could be my last thing. Honestly, I am dramatic. But well, actually... Doesn't it? Because yeah. somebody else, like I say, is going to, you know, administer drugs, open you up, all of these things. You think, what if that person does it wrong? Makes yeah. a mistake. What if, what if my body doesn't handle that? You know, you, w- without being a medical professional yourself, it's very, very, there's so many questions that will always go unanswered, even after you've had the surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when I went in the room, like you, it did turn out to be, even though I was frightened, it turned out to be a very smooth, calm process. Um, apart from the, the bit at the beginning, you know, when you walk in in your gown and you're awake. And now I've had surgeries before, but I've always been under anaesthetic. So you walk in and there's all this, this like busy, organized chaos where they're preparing for this surgery. So you've got the surgeon, you've got all the people helping, the nurses, the anaesthetist, somebody to monitor your oxygen. And they're all like, I remember the surgeon reading off this checklist off this board. Like, is this present? Yes, tick. This present, tick, tick, tick. And I'm sat there feeling like this guinea pig thinking, this is all, they're doing all this to me in a minute. I'm awake watching them like scrub up and wash their hands and roll the sleeves up sort of thing. Um, and then they administer the epidural, don't they? Yeah. And, um, and the feeling of my, my legs going, you know, and me having to, they were like, slowly lie down. And as I slowly laid down, I thought, oh, my God, I could feel this fizzing go down my legs. And then I, I just couldn't feel them. But you're convinced you can feel them, aren't you? Even oh, though you yeah, they're like, spray that thing. Can you feel that? Yes, yes, I can. But I think <laughs> at some points you can. But I honestly, it's a feeling when it goes down your legs like that. It's almost like you've weed yourself. 
you know like yeah. that warmth just goes down and then when they're flopping you onto the bed and like rolling you around and you're just like this is so weird yes and obviously weird. don't forget you've got a huge bump on your tummy and you probably haven't laid flat on your back for a long long time so that in itself when they lay me flat on my back I remember thinking I can't breathe oh my I can't breathe and I remember this guy who was monitoring all my stats and my oxygen and I remember going I can't breathe no I can't breathe and he was saying you can breathe your oxygen is 100% I can see it on here it was like it's a sensation you get you're lying down your baby's heavy on your lungs you're not used to that feeling he was like I'm I will tell you if your oxygen's changing don't worry and that was he was really great that's that what really you need well yeah. yeah the woman that was at my head actually she um I kept saying how's my heart rate how's my heart rate throughout the whole thing just because I was just I just wanted to know she was like it's fine it's fine I must have done a head in in the end but I just needed that constant reassurance that I was going to be okay yeah they've got to be used to it haven't they because how many scenarios is it where like I've said the patient is wide awake asking you if they can still breathe and this that and the other normally the person's fast asleep and they just crack on don't they Mm. but you're awake and you're having surgery so it is a very bizarre and surreal scenario isn't it yeah it's weird actually because afterwards I don't know if they asked you this but they said like do you want us to check the baby first and I was like what do you mean like you know check them over and I said yes because they you know I just didn't want to be alarmed by anything um but then you know but when they checked while they were checking her I was so desperate to get her I was like oh she okay she okay I'm just like oh you can't move you're just peering like this aren't you oh yeah like Oh yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what made me laugh. We had this um this surgeon, she was a lady and she was really tiny. And I don't I, they probably all do it, but she stood on a stool to do my surgery at the side. They oh all do it to reach. Yeah. At the time I remember thinking, she's standing on a stool because she's really small. Oh god. Like drop the baby and oh. you know, it's not too awkward for her and stuff. And you've got this screen up, haven't you? And as she delivered um clay. She held him up, and I've seen pictures that some of our friends have taken. In fact, it might have been yours with Olivia. Well, she's like holding she's her holding up. holding the baby, and you've took a photo, and you can clearly see the baby's face. So this is what I was expecting. So I'm lying there, and I know the surgery is going on, and this lady just goes, baby, and disappears. And all I saw was the back of Clay's head covered in blood. Oh. And I was going, what? What? <laughs> I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know if it was a head, a body, like an animal. It was so strange. And I remember going, what? 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 And then and then all of a sudden Clay gets like taken across the room, like you say, to be checked over. And I'm looking from meters away, thinking, Oh, it looks like he's okay. Phew. What oh. and I remember thinking, what does he look like? I can't tell. You know, trying to see So um, weird. Oh, but that moment, I had to say to Connor after, did that startle you? And he was like, yeah, it did a bit. Yeah, <laughs> what? Just like, you know, just and the back of his head. Oh, God. She, oh, no. Because she was tiny. Oh. She could get, it's just so, it was, this time around, for Olivia, it was just so much different to the first. I mean, yours was probably, did you feel like a totally, I mean, afterwards, did you feel like your recovery was, I mean, obviously it takes six weeks, but yeah how how did you feel it's something I asked myself a lot whilst I was recovering from the c-section is this better or worse so bearing in mind I had an episiotomy and stitches 
with the vaginal birth, the just not being able to sit down and that pain in your undercarriage from stitches healing, it did take a long time. And I remember someone saying to me after, say, maybe four or five weeks, so will you be getting back to the gym soon? And I remember thinking, are you mental? Like, my down below bit is black and blue. No, I'm not not going back to the gym soon. I'm still very much healing. Um, So even though they say a vaginal birth is a faster recovery, it depends how it goes down. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, of course, because you would cut open. Yeah, it's different. Um, And then with the C-section, I'd have people say to me, you're not going to be able to sit up by yourself for days. Your partner's going to have to hoist you up just to lift up to to have a drink. And you won't be able to hold your baby. You'll have to have him passed to you. So I remember thinking, oh, God, this recovery is going to be hideous. And then I had the C-section and I was literally sitting up in the bed myself, just using the bars. And I was in hospital for three days. So that might have made a bit of a difference because I had the bed with the bars at the side. I just held the bars and pulled myself up and my tummy muscles didn't feel that much different uh pain wise that wasn't too bad at all so I thought well this is this is going a lot smoother than I, I imagined the only thing that I felt took a long time was the actual healing of the scar the incision mm. should I say the the incision took a long time for me to heal it definitely wasn't fully healed at six weeks as, no. as you expect yeah um, And I tried to do a little light gym session at seven weeks and the corner of my scar started bleeding. So I remember thinking, I'm not ready yet. And I I left it another few weeks um, before I did anything more physical. Um, But yeah, in terms of comparing the two, it's 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 two two things that are both intense, isn't it? It's very hard to compare them. If I was to go again, which I'm not going to, but if I was. I would go C-section, but I would just be a little bit more prepared that that scar take, that that incision, for me, some people may heal faster. And I did make a few mistakes, I'll have to admit, with the scar itself that probably prolonged how long it took. Um, But um, I would go C-section, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, actually, she's done a third C-section. If you think about it, I suppose it's cutting through scarring because that's what they had to do with mine they said that my scar had started opening already with Olivia because I'd obviously stretched so far so if I did try and have a normal birth um they would have probably ended up in a c-section again because that had started opening already but they did say the scarring it's quite hard to cut through again for the second time they say to you don't they when you've had a c-section in your aftercare um what form of contraception are you going to use now? And you're like, what? I've just given birth. Are you joking? I'm not thinking I'm about that. having sex again. <laughs> but they say it because after a C-section, it's, it's, it's very risky, isn't it, to get pregnant within a year or the best case scenario, leave it two years, they said to me. Yeah. So they want, you, they want to know what you're doing for contraception. And you almost feel like, I felt like we just had to make something up like I was in trouble. We were like... We're going to use condoms. And I was yeah, like, no. I don't even know what I'm going to do yet. No, so. he's getting the snip. He's getting the snip. Yeah. I know. But it's just to prevent that scar, isn't it, from not mm. having its proper healing time. Because I suppose I just said the biggest part was the external incision. 
which is what I could feel. I genuinely couldn't feel any pain from the inside. Now, I don't know if that's because I was so focused on the scar, but you have got, is it nine layers of different tissues, muscles? Yeah, seven or nine, something like that. Exactly on that. But they have to go through all these different layers to get to the baby. And all those different layers have got to heal and go back to normal, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and then for you to go and do it again, that's your choice, isn't it? But yeah. not too soon, otherwise I think you do get problems, don't you? You do, you do. It's like, it's little things really with the, the C-section. I mean, it sounds really silly, but, you know, like just wearing a dress when that's kind of fitting into into your body that you used to be able to wear, you know, that's quite tight. And just get, having that bit of a pouch type yeah. of thing, that can, that can me, make you feel a bit. Following the section was knickers. Like, I didn't dare, like, all my normal thong knickers that I would wear normally all just hit the scar thing. So you buy these granny pants, don't you, that you're just going to use post-surgery or whilst you've got pads in or whatever it is. And I just, like, didn't dare stop wearing the granny well, pants. I'm still wearing them. Unless I know it's like, oh, it's on the cards tonight. Then, no, I'm just going to wear those granny pants. For the yeah, because they're so comfy. Oh, and they're like, oh. They come up to your belly button, don't they? Yeah. And, and you, you feel all snug in them. But I did actually, I got some, um, I think they were sloggy ones because the ones that I was wearing. Sloggy like, ones, did you say? You know that makes sloggy? Oh, I thought you said It's like from so... the 90s or something. Right, okay. Yeah. But it's re- they're really elasticated, almost like gym leggings. So I put them on, they're up to my belly button, but I kind of feel like, you know, oh, I don't yeah. want that bad. Yeah. But then I've still got, like, you know, the ones that are actual granny pants that are really loose and baggy. Oh, yeah. Like, if they're not clean in the wash, I'll wear those ones. Mm. And honestly, I feel sorry for Connor. Like, I wouldn't want to see anyone in them granny uh, pants. Oh, no. I know. Well, the thing is, I, I bought some for after the C-section because, you know, you have to wear that, that big, thick pad. Like, I yeah. just felt like, I don't know, violated with it, really. Yeah. And I hated it last time. And I just didn't like wearing it. So um, I bought some period knickers. Don't know if you've yeah. ever tried those. Oh, my God. They're like huge knickers. They look like it could be a brolly. They're absolutely yeah. huge. And I wore those and they just kind of collect the blood. And yeah. then you just throw them in the wash. Well, yeah. I honestly, I still wear them sometimes, even <laughs> if it's not that time of the month, because <laughs> they are the most comfy yeah. Oh my god! Just... I got some of the disposable, um, disposable knickers which I wore oh, at first. Yeah, um, and they they are four C sections, so they are quite the high waist and the quite because what you want, believe it or not, like you think you don't, but you want a little bit of a little bit of pressure, don't you? Because mm. that's helping things flatten back down and the scar sort of mm. heal in a flat shape rather than bumpy. So they've just got that elastication in them that just gives you a little bit of pressure. Mm. Um, I did hear, I, I read somewhere about wearing um, for C-sections, you can get these bodices that have got like a foam padding. Oh. And they use them for tummy tucks and all kinds of surgery. And it's to put compression on your um, scar and your incision. And I actually spent a lot of money on one of these bodices. And I remember it said, wear it from day three after your surgery. And I remember thinking... I, I wore. I tried to wear it. It wasn't uncomfortable, but I just it just didn't feel right. I wore it for a couple of days, and then I was like, I'll come back to that in a few weeks. And it's still sat in my cupboard upstairs. So yeah, sounds hard work. A bodice to put that on sounds yeah. like you know sounds well, a bit... it came up to the top of your ribs, and then like your boobs were hanging out. So that oh, yeah. it was flattening your tummy, and then this 
this foam insert was about that thick, an inch and a half thick. So I was putting it on and I was thinking, this is making me look fatter. Yeah, now, yeah. Padding. I, was, I can't be doing with that right now, you know. No, but, I know. Um, yeah. No, it's funny, isn't it, afterwards? Like, I mean, uh, God, I, I, I Blackpool Vic Hospital, I don't know if it was like this when you left, but the, I was like, Danny was holding the car seat with the baby and I was trying to walk out of the hospital but there was no I can't remember whether we had to go the long way round because of COVID or something but getting out of hospital oh my god it was it was like I was shuffling along he couldn't push me in a wheelchair because I couldn't carry the baby so it was like yeah. I just had to shuffle it took us so long to get out of there honestly that yeah. day yeah. um you see all these pictures don't you of people carrying it's like the guy carrying the baby in the car seat it's the stereotypical picture yeah we kind of laughed about it and we we're like we're just gonna have to do one just so we've got one but it is really quite cheesy isn't it yeah because behind the camera the guy's carrying the baby because the woman can hardly move i know, you know I, I know it's symbolic isn't it the guy's taking his child out into the world i know but you're almost like hang on a minute yeah, you get the picture i'm not in the picture i've just carried this baby for you off you could off you go and i'm taking the pictures so oh yeah know. i know <laughs> like he's just like kind of done this amazing amazing thing you yeah. know really it's it is actually quite watched. funny actually just sat there watched ate burped yeah know, walked to the and vending then, machine now and again <laughs> yeah and uh, you know you can go and do the car park token as well on the yeah. way out <laughs> no. oh main god bit. it is funny actually that picture yeah, yeah i do see those i like them all but um yeah, yeah definitely like the one behind just about it being able to lift a camera as well hey, yeah. I love, take this with me and the baby <laughs> And the and the guy's like flexing, isn't he? He's got the oh, car yeah. seat. He's, he's trying to stand in like a, a macho position. Oh, and yeah, he's, he's got the tight t-shirt on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got the picture. Oh. But yeah, like I say, it's 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 a nice moment at the same time, isn't it? It's just make, it make cracks me up every time I see one. It, it does me. So so, Katie, I think next time we were going to touch a little bit on like the first after birth and C-section, yeah. but I think that's probably. The, for another episode now because we've gone yeah. way over our time talk. we can really talk we can really yeah, talk it, me and you. yeah so next time we're going to talk about firsts after c-sections and vaginal births because there's a lot of funny stories obviously for sex first poo first everything you know peeling yeah. that plumbing thing off the c-section as well that that's the first shower the first wee anyway yeah. i could go on there's a lot and, and also tips for recovery because we did talk about you know how these things are hard to recover from there are things there to help you to help you recover and to help you scar and things like that which i've i'm in currently in the process of trialing and testing some of these things so we can perhaps talk about them more yeah that would be really helpful so so anyway so we'll leave it there for today but uh, thank you and it's been lovely it's been lovely to have another catch up again yes it has thank you for having me thank you Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of 50 Shades of Motherhood. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope you did too. We'll be back next week with more mum chats, more honest, raw, real, unapologetic, uncensored 
mum chats and I can't wait. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And also, if you did particularly like this one, don't forget to leave us a little review. It really does do us the world of good with our rankings for our podcast. And finally, if you have something that you want to share with either myself or Katie, then please feel free to message us on the links at the bottom of this podcast. Anyway, we look forward to speaking to you next time on 50 Shades of Motherhood. Are you looking for local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes and lessons to go to with your children? If that's the case, head over to www.mybumptobaby.com where you can find the latest groups and classes in your local area. As well as that, if you are looking for financial advice, family law advice or a local estate agent, you can also access our family protection and legal directory www.mybumptobaby.com forward slash family protection legal. We have a really special offer today and I'm so excited to share it with you, the ultimate giveaway. Do you want to receive one of our planners for free or would you like access to our Instagram growth course worth £59? At My Bump to Baby, we are massively passionate about making sure parents have the protection in place that they need should the worst happen. If you choose to book in with your nearest family law solicitor today to have a look and a chat about your will, or if you book in with your financial advisor to review your family protection or your pension, we will give you access to either our Instagram course with £59 or we will send you one of our amazing planners completely free of charge. To qualify for this, all you need to do is fill in the form at the bottom of this podcast and we will book you in with your nearest advisor. You don't need to take out a policy and you don't need to take out a will. It's just simply having a chat to make sure that you have the protection that you need should the worst happen. We are so excited to bring you this offer and we hope you take advantage of it because protecting your family is the most important decision that you could make today.